Daniel chapter number 4. And it's so good to see all our visitors here. Appreciate. I want you to, if you don't have a Bible, will you do something for me? Listen carefully. Listen to this carefully as I read tonight. And I'm going to begin in verse number 24. And before I start reading, you need to understand what's happened. King Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream. Now Daniel is getting ready to interpret the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. Now here we'll begin in verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the degree of the Most High which is come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Verse 26, Daniel 4. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. I want you to notice those four words, and I want you to say them with me. The last four words in verse 26, do you see them? The heavens do rule. Boy, that's powerful, isn't it? Let's say that again. The heavens do rule. I'll continue reading. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom? by the might of my power, and for the honor of my majesty. 31, the Bible says, While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. We'll conclude in 33. The same hour, notice, was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful 
that you've allowed us to be back in the house of God tonight. Lord, it was so good this morning. But as Brother James said, Lord, this is another night, another service. we got to have some help from above. Thank you for all the faithful members that make up this great church. Thank you for the man of God and his wife. Thank you, Lord, tonight for the visitors from other places that have come our way. Now, Lord, as we've opened this text, I know without you I can do nothing. And I pray you'll help us here for a little while. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen. If you were to start reading your Bible through, begin in Genesis 1, and read all 66 books, read through Revelation 22 with a pen in hand, and say, every time I read a chapter where there's something really outstanding, I'm going to put a check mark. Well, you'd put a check mark on this chapter because of the unique and severe judgment that God placed upon a wicked king. If you notice in verse number 30, you don't have to be a scholar to see what King Nebuchadnezzar's problem was. He had the very same problem that so many in our country have tonight, and sadly that so many in our churches have tonight. See if you can see his problem in verse number 30. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? I see a problem already. If there's anything good going around in our lives, it's not what we've done. It's what He's done. Let's read on. He said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? Notice, for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power. I not only built this kingdom, but I did it with my power, with my strength. Y'all seeing a problem here? This is a major problem. And then it gets even worse. And for the honor of my majesty. He said, I built Babylon. I built it with my power. And I built it so all the glory would come back to me. So all the majesty would come back to me. How many of you know he's got this absolutely backwards? Because if there's anything good, God did it. And if there's any power, God has it. And if anybody deserves the honor, the majesty, and the glory, it's none of us tonight. It's our great and mighty God. Now look at this judgment. You won't find this nowhere else in the Bible. God said, okay, that's enough. I've had enough of your pride. I've had enough of your foolishness. And the Bible said that God drove him from the throne. Now this is the most powerful man alive. This is the equivalent of a United States president. The most powerful man on earth. Living in the finest palace on earth. But God said, that's enough. And God drove him out. The Bible said he went out into the field. The dew of heaven's falling on him now. He don't even have a shelter. His hair 
grew into eagle's feathers, his nails into bird's claws. He's eaten grass like an oxen, and he's dwelling with the beast of the field. Now folks, you'll have to say that's a unique judgment that God put upon him. I often wonder, Jake, what happened when people walked by and saw him out there eating grass. I wonder what they thought when their great king's covered in eagle feathers and his nails bird's claws and he's eating grass with the dew of heaven on his body and he's dwelling with the beasts of the field. I just wonder, do you wonder what people must have said? Now you'll have to admit that's pretty far out. This is for believers only. Somebody might say, I don't believe that. I can't help what you believe or don't believe. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And the Bible is forever true. Could anything, Brother Reed, be more far out than this? There's one thing more far out than this. After seven years eating grass, eagle's feathers, bird's claws, dew on his body, Dwelling with the beasts of the field, God said, okay, that's enough, come on back. God brought him back, gave him his sanity back, gave him his humanity back, and set him back on the throne. Now friend, that's even more far out. Am I correct tonight? That's pretty far out. Eating grass seven years now, he's back on the throne eating steak. Now, friend, you're going to have to say that's pretty far out. It all came as a result of pride. There's nothing in the Bible ever good said about pride. Never. God even hates a proud look. I'm trying to remove pride and proud from my vocabulary as I look at the things in life. Folks, we'd be better off. Now you can get quiet, get mad, get happy. But we'd be better off to stop being proud of things and be thankful for things. If you've got something good that you're hooked to, don't be proud of it. Be thankful of it. Because when we're thankful, God gets the glory. But when we're proud, somebody else is getting the glory. Don't get quiet. I'm trying to be nice again, but I'm not doing too good, am I? But I want you tonight to think about those four words. Why would God do this to King Nebuchadnezzar? And then bring him back after seven years. Now, why would God do that? He wants to let the king know something. He wants to let Babylon know something. And guess what, folks? He wants to let us know something. What does He want us to know? Look at those last four words in verse number 26. The heavens do rule. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't ruling. He thought he was. But God let him know that the heavens do rule. If you're not careful, now look, I travel every week. And I see good people of God just like you, just like you. The cream of the crop, the faithful group, the group that keeps things going. 
But I see so many of God's best children that are in despair. They're doing all they know to do, but they're so discouraged. And it looks like things are spiraling out of control. If you love God, and you love your country, and you listen to all this, it can't help but have an effect on you. But I want you to know something tonight, that the Democrats don't rule. The Republicans don't rule. Politicians, movie stars, and athletes don't rule. But the heavens do rule. I'm glad I can lay my head down tonight knowing that God is still on the throne and that God has all power. I say He's got all power. And if there's a Democrat in charge, God allowed it. If there's a Republican in charge, God allowed it. The heavens do rule. Nothing is spinning out of control. Nothing is out of hand. Everything's right on time. Can somebody say amen? Woo, hallelujah. We might have to get that song again. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I'm glad I know Him. You know, I talk about Democrats. And look, I'm not picking on Democrats because I'm not impressed with Republicans. Amen. Amen. And I'm not impressed with Dr. Fake. I mean, Dr. Falsy. Say amen. And these folks might be drawing big salaries. And they, they may have the ear of a lot of people, but they're not in control. They're not in control. For instance, what if Joe Biden walked in here tonight? Yeah, but what if he did walk in here tonight? I say, look folks, look who's come to the house of God. It's Joe Biden. Everybody would turn around and say, that's Joe Biden. Guess what? We'd all recognize him. What if Donald Trump walked in tonight? 45, Donald Trump. And I say, hey folks, look. Donald Trump come by tonight. And we'd all recognize him. You see, we'd all recognize Joe Biden. We'd all recognize Donald Trump. But them two wouldn't recognize any of us. Am I right? If Joe Biden was here, he wouldn't know me. He wouldn't know you. If Donald Trump was here tonight, he wouldn't know me. He wouldn't know you. But if the King of Kings rolled in here tonight and I said, look folks, we'd all recognize him. But guess what's better than that? Thank God he would recognize us. Thank God I know him. But better than that, he knows me. Do you feel kind of helpless? He knows you by name. <laughs> Glory to God. I don't know if I can preach this or not, but I'm here to tell you, friends, the heavens do rule. That'd be a good little slogan to write on a 3 by 5 index card. Get a magnet, stick it on your refrigerator. And every time the devil tries to discourage you, just read those four words. The heavens do rule. I got a friend tonight. He lives 
in a little place called Dobson, North Carolina. And he was diagnosed with cancer in the worst kind of way. And I mean, they're just, they're trying all kind of stuff, but man, there ain't no hope. But my brother, my friend, heard this sermon. And he said, you know, preacher, I'm going to have you and me a t-shirt made. And I'm going to write those four words on that t-shirt. I might be dying of cancer, but I'm going to get a t-shirt made so we can let this world know that the doctors don't rule and medicine don't rule and nurses don't rule, but the heavens do rule. Long story short, I got my t-shirt. I'm tempted to wear it. I may wear it under my shirt and unbutton it like Superman and let y'all see it. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm not Superman, but the heavens do rule. I'm just a little speck in a big world of humanity, but God knows my name, and God knows where I'm at, and He knows the way that I take, and the heavens do rule. My friend dying of cancer, guess what? He's almost won that battle. Almost won that battle. Did y'all hear me? Almost won that battle now. And the only reason that he's not dead is four words. The heavens do rule. Thank God for good doctors, but they don't rule. Thank God for good nurses, but they don't rule. Brother Reed brought a burden to us a few years back with the pastor I may not have the details, so I won't give all the details, but he needed some healing. Brother Reed got up here and went and said, our pastor needs some healing. And I'm telling you, when the doctors put you on death row and the doctors say there is no hope, that's irrelevant to God because the heavens do rule. And there he sits tonight. There he sits tonight. Woo, hallelujah. Maybe I ought to get Sheila in the background saying hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! I like that word hallelujah. That don't scare me. It don't offend me. When I get in a foreign country and I don't know the language, I just say hallelujah. (laughs) Because hallelujah is the same in every language. And it means to praise the Lord. And it means personally you praise the Lord. So if I say hallelujah to you, there's only one proper response. And that's for you to say hallelujah to me. And then if you say it to me, there's only one proper response. And that's hallelujah back. You say, preacher, that will never end. You got it. That's it. It's not supposed to end. We're to keep on praising His name. Can I read you one verse? and talk to you about one sentence in the New Testament that goes hand in hand with what I'm preaching tonight. Does anybody remember the four words, the heavens do rule? Would you say it with me? The heavens do rule. The devil's not scared of me. He's not scared of you. But he shakes on them four words. Because the heavens do rule. James chapter 5, I want to read verse 16. Anytime you read the book of James, here's some things to remember. Remember, this is not the apostle James. This is James, half-brother of Jesus Christ. 
David James didn't get saved. Can you imagine growing up in the same house with Jesus? Jesus growing up, you growing up in the same house. He didn't believe on Him. But one day when his half-brother got up from the grave, whoop, unwrapped himself of grave clothes, James says, I'm sold. <laughs> Woo! He was a believer. And James become one of the greatest prayer champions, Anna. One of the greatest prayer champions of the Word of God. And James, is, James says, you know, he was nicknamed Camel Knees because he had cal- so many calluses on his knees where he prayed so much. I- I'm just giving you a little history why you find James 5.16. But I want you to notice something. And I want to discourage speed reading. I want to discourage speed reading. Oh, if I read four chapters a day, I can get my Bible read in ten months. You sure can. But if you read it so fast, you don't even know what you read. I said, if you read it so fast, you don't even know what you read, what good has it done you? You'd be better off reading two chapters slowly than four chapters speed reading. You'll miss a sentence that could change your life. It changed my life. A sentence that changed my life years ago, and I didn't find it by speed reading. I want you to look at James 5.16. I'm not preaching on this first part. Confess your faults one to another. Now we just need to say a little something there. That lets you and I know none of us have arrived. We all have our faults. We should strive to do better. But at our best state, at our best state, we got faults. I know that's hard on some folks. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. I don't know if it's always God's will to heal in every case. See, I don't know that. And I know this about healing. Healing at best, Brother Jacob, healing at best is temporary. Don't let that discourage you because something's going to get you one day. Something's going to take you out of here. So all healing we get at its best in this life It's temporary. There's perfect healing when we cross over into the presence of God. So God has not commanded me to know when or who or if it's God's will, but God is commanding me to pray one for another when my brother or my sister is sick, I'm supposed to pray for him. Is that what you see in that? Well, that's not what I'm preaching on. There's one sentence. I want to break it down. Do a quick word study. Would you let God speak to you in one sentence? The Bible says in the latter part of James 5.16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I want to look at the key words in this one sentence, Brother Reed. Look at that first word, effectual. Now that's not a word we're too in common with, effectual. But the word effectual is not a hard word. Do you see the root word in the word? Effect? You see, effectual is this. God has the sufficiency to produce an effect. 
How many of you here tonight, and I'm not picking, I got my hand up first, okay? How many of you in here tonight, there's something going on in your life or around your life that you need affected? You need God to affect it. Would you raise your hand? Well, the next time you pray, you remember that big word, effectual. When you cry out to God and the devil says, No, it ain't going to happen. No, you're wasting your time. You remember that word effectual. God has the sufficiency to produce an effect. Woo! Aren't you glad tonight that God can produce an effect? That brings me to my life verse. Ephesians 3.20 Never a day goes by, don't quote it, at least once or several times. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. A lot of folks is living their life like God's up in heaven on disability. God's not on disability. He's not sitting in a rocking chair with a gown across His waist and a long white beard and long white hair. That's not my God. He's not the old man upstairs. He's the sovereign of the ages. He's the one that can produce an effect. Whoo, hallelujah. He's able. He's not on disability, H.C. If He's on anything, He's on ability. Hallelujah. I can't tell you what kind of ability you and I have other than very small. But God Almighty has all power. God said in Ephesians 3.20, I'm not done with James 5 and I'm not done with Daniel 4. Y'all just bear with me. We got the whole Bible and we got all night, so let's don't get in a hurry. One preacher said, turn in your Bible, turn anywhere you want to, it's all good. Amen. See, God said, if you can form words, if you can form request, if you can ask it, God said, I can do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask. If you can ask it, God's saying, oh, I can do that. And I can do more than that. That's effectual. Woo! Glory to His name. He not only can do more than I can ask, He can do more, Anthony, than I can think. Now, friends, I can think more than I can ask. But God said, you can't think thoughts that can exhaust my power. You can't put words into pleas that can exhaust my power. Boy, i got to move. Y'all preach a man to death and I can't get through a sentence. The effectual, boy, this goes along with this morning, fervent. Fervent is hot. Hot and boiling over. It's hot like a furnace. Hot like a fire, hot like a hot summer day. I wonder if our prayers remind God more of a freezer than they do a furnace. I want my prayers to be like a furnace. 
like a burning fire. Woo! Boiling over, effectual, fervent. Look at the next word, prayer. You know prayer doesn't always mean exactly the same thing in the Bible. Let me tell you what it means here. The word prayer here means a petition. The first time petition is used in the Bible, it was used, you ladies will appreciate this, it was used by a godly woman named Hannah. Hannah could have no child. Her adversary having many children, but she could have no child. She asked God for a child. And I can imagine one day Hannah gets up feeling a little lightheaded and sick on her stomach. Can somebody say amen? Business is picking up for Hannah. Well, it's true. She's going to have a baby. She's going to have a baby. Well, she carried that baby for the nine-month period. Then one day, the baby was born. It was a boy. She named him Samuel. And you know what Hannah did? She looked up to heaven and she said, God hath granted me my petition. I like that word, petition. How many of you have ever signed a petition? Raise your hand. You see, when you sign a petition, you've done read what it's about. Something needs overturning. Something needs doing. And you believe in it so much, you're willing to sign your name to it. And I tell you what, if you're not willing to sign your name to what you're praying about, you might as well just quit praying about it. Hannah said, He's granted me my petition. He not only gave her a child, but he became a prophet. He became one of the greatest prophets to ever live. Did you know God said something of Samuel He never said about nobody else? God said of Samuel that not one of his words ever fell to the ground. What a prophet of God he was. All because he had a godly mama who wouldn't quit who wouldn't give up. She signed the petition and God granted her her request. i got to move on. Effectual, fervent prayer. Can't leave out this one. Of a righteous man. See, you're not going to get your prayers answered if you got known sin ruling in your life. you got to get rid of that sinning business. When I was a young man, young preacher, preachers quoted Psalm 66, 18. I've got a lot of Scripture committed to memory, but here's one I didn't have to memorize because I heard it so much. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now that's heavy, isn't it? Now that doesn't... The Lord showed me something about this I had never saw. I just saw this in the last few weeks. I'd like to give it to you. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now that's the Bible. Rightly divided King James straight down the line. But you know something I never saw in that verse? That verse does not say the Lord cannot hear me. It says the Lord will not hear me. That's a big difference in cannot 
and will not. You say, I don't understand the difference. Have you ever been riding down the road, listening to a radio station that you like, and maybe some announcer, some commercial, or some song come on that you don't like? And rather than turn it off to just turn it back on, you just turn down the volume. You will not hear it. You will not hear it. You've chosen not to hear it. Boy, I sure would hate to be in a dilemma. Maybe one of my young'uns. Maybe one of my grand-young'uns. Lord, help me! I don't want to hear it. Is that heavy or not? Can you imagine crying out to God and say, God say, I don't want to hear it. Just turn it down. You see, that's the effect sin will have on your prayer life. And I know it got quiet right there. Well, preacher, I don't believe God's that way. God said He will not hear us. He chooses not to hear us. I don't know about y'all, but when I'm praying and talking to God, I want the volume wide open. I don't want nothing. The old songwriter said, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Keep the way clean. Let nothing between. Y'all still with me, aren't you? A righteous man. He's equitable in character. He's not perfect, but he's striving to be. And he wants to be. And he keeps short tabs with God. Look at that last statement. I'm trying to get somewhere. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Sometimes you see words like that and you think, well, they're not worth, they're not worth pursuing. Oh, yes. Some of the smallest words in the Bible have become dynamite in my life. Availeth much don't sound like much. But you know what it means? It means there's force behind it. The same force that said, let there be light. And there was light. The same force that walked up to the grave of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. That's the kind of force we got. Woo! Behind our praying. The same force that with a blast of God's nostril, He opened the Red Sea. That's the kind of force that's behind the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Do y'all believe this sentence will help you if you'll let it? It has helped me. But i got to get back to them four words that y'all made me get off of for a few minutes. The heavens do rule. That's helped me. I've read it many, many times. But sometimes it just jumps off the page. Sometimes it just writes itself upon the tablet of your heart. The heavens do rule. Somebody needs that tonight. You know how many hands were raised? You need something affected? Hey, don't forget. The heavens do rule. Some of you know my story. Some of you don't. But August 3rd, 2020, I went in for a COVID test. Long story short, I was rushed to the hospital. My heart was in AFib because of COVID. 
This began an 84-day stay in the hospital. I had congestive heart failure, 30 pounds of fluid in my legs and feet, double pneumonia twice in 84 days. They thought I had a reoccurrence of COVID, but I didn't thank the Lord for that. Then they said I had type 2 diabetes. Then they said there was a vegetative bacteria growing on my heart valves. And now i got to have two heart valves replaced. All I got was bad news. Bad news. My cardiologist said, Mr. Anderson, I'm going to nickname you Lazarus because you've come back from the dead. And I said, really? He said, really? What was wrong with you would have killed three of the strongest men. He said, you're the strongest man I've ever met. And I started weeping. I said, no, I'm the weakest man you've ever met. The heavens do rule. This boy ain't strong. And he said, we almost lost you three times. I don't remember all that. Juanita could write a book about it. She may someday. But one of those nights that I almost left here, I do remember. It was on a Sunday night. I was past quarantine, so at that point in my ICU, I could have one family member to visit. My oldest son was visiting me that Sunday night. Brother Reed, I was breathing so bad. I'll have to lose my mind to forget how bad that breathing was. I was just gasping for every breath. My son in the room with me. Some of y'all may not believe this, but I saw my mom and daddy. They'd been in heaven for years. Their hair was jet black. They had no tubes or needles. They had perfect health and they were young and strong. And they were waving at me. I knew I was about to go. There's mom and daddy. Man, I can't tell you what that did for me. Then mom and dad disappeared. Now if I lost you there, you might as well go home because it's going to get worse than this. <laughs> but I'm laying there barely breathing. A real strict nurse came in. God bless her heart. She read my title clear to me and Jeremy and said, looks like dad's got COVID again, but I didn't. And I remember her calling my son outside and I was just doing good to breathe so I wasn't too worried about what they were doing. And Jeremy told me this after the fact, Brother Jimmy. He said, when she got me out in the hall, she said, Jeremy, you better call your mama and you better call your brother and any other close family. Dad's going on life support tonight and it really don't look like he'll make it through the night. Jeremy said after the fact, I knew none of this, Jeremy said it hit him so hard, Brother Reed. He said it knocked my breath out. He said, my. And he just went to the bathroom and cried. He said, how am I going to go in there and tell Daddy that? Daddy's in bad shape. And he got his courage up and he got a plan. Here's what he said. He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to march in Dad's room. And I'm going to tell Daddy. He's been a good daddy. And I'm going to tell him me and Matt couldn't have had a better daddy. 
And I know what else I'm going to tell him. He's been the best papa that my little girls could have. Now i got a grandson. He wasn't there yet. And, and he said, I'm going to tell Daddy he's been a good husband to our mama. And I'm going to tell Daddy he's been a great preacher of God. And he said, I can do it. I can just see him now. I can see him that bad. I can do it. I'm going to do it. And he said, when he touched that door, the Holy Ghost stopped him in his tracks and said, don't you go in there talking that stuff. I want you to go in there and talk to Dad about the next 20 years of ministry. I want you to go in there and talk to Dad about enlarged coast, greater anointing, more people saved, greater revivals than ever before. And Jeremy thought, man, that's a whole lot better plan than I have. So he marched in my room and he said, Daddy, i got to tell you something. God wants me to tell you the next 20 years. And he went down that line. I said, son, 20 years? Dad's not going to make it 20 minutes if God don't do something. He said, but your greatest days, Daddy, are ahead. About that time the door opened and here comes this young, handsome doctor. Looked a lot like me. Long, Why do y'all laugh right there? When I tell people I've been married 40 years, I say, now I know I don't look 40. And then everybody laughs again. <laughs> See? <laughs> he rolled in there with a stethoscope, long white coat. He was the kindest doctor I ever met. Brother Reed, he was bedside manner times 10. Kind. Oh, so kind. And he came up and talked to me and Jeremy a while. Just being around him helped me. He was so encouraging. He had a notebook and he is flipping through his notebook and he said, you know, Jeremy, according to my notes, things are really looking good for Dad. According to my notes, business is picking up. Things are really looking up. And Jeremy's thinking, a nurse just told me he's going to die. He didn't say it out loud, but that's what he's thinking. A nurse just told me he's going to die. And now this doctor says things are looking good. He stayed with us a while. Then he left the room. Jeremy and I talked a while. And here's where I may lose some of you. We talked a while, Brother Jimmy, and I said, Jeremy, did you think that doctor was really special? He said, yeah, he was the nicest doctor that we've ever seen in this situation. I said, wouldn't you like to talk to him again? I said, I would. I said, maybe if he's not busy before he, maybe between patients, he can come and see us again. I want to talk to him some more. Jeremy said, okay, I'll run to the nurse's station. He goes out to the nurse's station. He remembers the doctor's name on his tag. And he said, ladies, you know, my dad's over here in bad shape. And this doctor y'all sent was so nice. And dad wonders, can we talk to him some more? And they said, what's his name, son? And he's told the name of the doctor. And they said, you must be mistaken. There's no doctor here by that name. Jeremy said, well, maybe, maybe I got the name wrong. Let me tell you how he looks. Brown hair, handsome young doctor, long white coat, stethoscope. They said, son, you're mistaken. There's no doctor here by that description. There's no doctor here tonight by that name. 
Now, if that's making you nervous, it's going to get worse than this. You know what that was? That's what Hebrews 13, 2 means. Be not careful to entertain strangers. For some have entertained angels unaware. When me and old Jeremy is about to go under, God said, that's enough. That's enough. The nurse has done said enough. The doctors have said enough. He dispatched an angel. He came in my room and encouraged my heart. You know why? Four words. The heavens do rule. And he can tell the story better than me. And I wonder, please excuse me for dreaming, but I wonder when I get to heaven, if walking up to me on a street of gold is going to be a handsome guy in a long white coat and a stethoscope and say, hey, remember me? Woo! I'm telling you, friend. This is as real as real can be. I'm here to tell you the doctors don't rule. The nurses and politicians and movie stars and athletes and all the crowd of this world, they don't rule. I said they don't rule. The heavens do rule. Oh yeah, I should have died, they say. But God said no. The heavens do rule. And I'm not 100% back yet. Hey, I'm maybe 30-40%, but I'm heading the right way. And I've assumed a full schedule. And if God gives me strength, I'll be in over 90 revivals this year. If God gives me strength. I'm here to tell you, friends, there's folks in this building. Your case may not be as extreme as mine. But if it's something you can't overturn in yourself, it's as big as my case. And I want you to know that the heavens do rule. As we stand.